Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to Crunch Time. The oldest team of all. Almost flawless as they win the preliminary final and give themselves and Chris Scott their best chance in more than a decade. They deserve it. They've just worked worked so hard. We, We do have an experienced group, but... I think they deserve any successes that, that come their way. They've been a privilege to coach. But I think this year, you know, we go in in great form. We've got good availability. I think our game's in really good shape. So as much as any time that I can remember, I you know, feel like we've given ourselves every chance. Geelong's quest to turn a season of dominance into a premiership reaches the moment of fruition. The Cats looking to redefine convention with the second flag of the Chris Scott era. The final kick, the siren sounds. Sydney stared down the Grim Reaper and they live to tell the tale. They take their place in the 2022 Grand Final. Oh, we just have to you know, do the right thing by what the team needs tomorrow. And so and that's, what it, that's where it starts and ends. And you know, It's not an easy thing to do, but um, you go through those decisions and you need to give yourself the best chance uh, with the circumstances we've got tomorrow to, to, to play against a team that's finished two games clear on top of the ladder and been the dominant team all year. Um, we need to get it right. We need to get it right at selection. We need to get it right tomorrow in the way we play. And so um, we know it's going to be a huge challenge and um, we need to make sure we get everything right. The rapid renovation in Sydney delivers John Longmire's team to the cusp of the ultimate prize. Is this the day Buddy Franklin fulfills the dream of a premiership in red and white? What we've seen today is a challenging, harrowing and disturbing read. I acknowledge the hurt, the anger and the grief of the people who have shared their experiences and told their stories and all of those impacted. It's tough reading. It's heartbreaking. These allegations are extremely disturbing. We are profoundly disappointed that some of our former players and their families feel like this about their experiences at the club. It was a tough read, guys, but I wasn't surprised, to be honest. You know, as an Aboriginal people, we're not surprised as well. We face these issues in many systems, in the education system, the justice system, in the health system. And my heart goes out to, to those players for being brave to speaking up and their families as well, but it was, it was really hard. And beyond today, footy faces troubled times. The Indigenous experience in the industry is confrontingly under investigation, while the reputations of two of the game's elder statesmen are on trial. This is the grand final edition of Crunch Time. That one day in September has dawned gloriously in Melbourne and the MCG, well, people are flowing in from all sorts of different directions. Yesterday was a sight to behold, those in blue and white, those in red and white. And what a difference from two years past when we were displaced from this event. There is an element of spiritual homecoming about it for sure. Jared Waitley with you for Crunch Time. A round of applause for Kane Corns, if you would. Kane Corns has run all the way here from Adelaide for a stirring cause. 
Kane, congratulations. It's great to have you with us. Thanks, Jared. Yeah, no, it's a thrill to be here. It's uh, amazing to be back at the MCG, walking across the bridge. You wouldn't be anywhere else in the world than Melbourne on grand final week. And uh, to complete the run was a relief, and the support's been overwhelming just walking in here this morning. Those of you saying well done has been incredible. So um, to everyone that donated, yeah, my heartfelt thanks. God, footy's best villain has turned baby face on us. <laughs> Couldn't even it? get in to run for a latte. Can't run two feet at the moment. <laughs> Gary Lyon, we did crunch time together a couple of years ago and we put on the bravest face we could, we knowing did. that we were displaced from the day that we cherish most. <laughs> How reassuring to be here with the MCG inside and the gathering before us. Welcome. Uh, it's great to be here. It's real. Um, we've missed it. I was lucky enough to have been on the other side of the country at this time last year, but right here, right now. I've walked across the bridge over here um, along the river and everything's good in the world again, Jared. Uh, Kane's alive and well, which is the main thing. <laughs> so I've just, I, I struggled uh, to get my head around what he's done, but... This is, this is a grand final that uh, is befitting of the occasion of re the return to the MCG, and we can't wait to get it started. Brenton Sanderson lived a good few of these in the coach's box. He actually lived the agony of Logan McDonald being dropped on the cusp <laughs> yeah. of a grand final. Sando, it's great to have you here. Yeah, thanks, Jared. And um, I must admit, I, I, I look back, Jared, even to Thursday, September 1, and I came into the studio and I said, it just feels like spring again, September again in Melbourne. But this week's been even different. It's been even better. And sometimes you just don't know what you've got till it's taken away from you. Um, and we've had two, two years, obviously, um, the challenges of COVID and a grand finals outside of the um, MCG, which have been great. I mean, for those states to experience a grand final, but it's, it's been special this week. The carnival atmosphere here today, um, I'm, I just feel so privileged to be at the MCG today and, and watch what's going to be a great grand final. And Sam Edmonds been on the beat this morning. Welcome, Sam. Jared, good morning, everyone. Great to be here. And good morning to everyone listening this morning. It's uh, an absolute treat. We're blessed to be here. There is going to be a late change to Geelong's lineup. Already made. The team's finalised at 1.30, but unfortunately, Max Holmes will not play. That uh, young winger who's been such a big part of Geelong's campaign, that decision, in fact, was made yesterday and perhaps was always going to be made, wasn't it, Jared? Neural hamstring, hamstring, it's a hamstring at the end of the day. The risk's too great. So all things point to the versatile Irishman Mark O'Connor coming in and perhaps Brandon Parfitt as the sub in behind him. So just give us your snap assessment of, of what that means, Gary. Um, I think it's a substantial out. That's um, the first thing we need to acknowledge, how good he's been. Max Holmes has been a revelation, uh, part of this whole rejigging of the way they wanted to play. You know, they, they looked at their side, they needed some more run, they needed, needed a bit more athleticism and identified him at a draft on draft night, we're told. Uh, traded out on the night to get to get Max Holmes and um, and now he's lived up to, to that in the last, well, particularly the last eight weeks, highest rated wingman in the comp for the last two two months rather. And again, was the highest rated player on the ground when he did that hamstring. So that's substantial. It's a substantial out. Um, now the, the great sides have got great depth and O'Connor comes in and he can play, if he does, he plays a role. Parfitt's certainly capable and Menegola sitting in the wing. So... Um, which then turns our mind to Reed, and we'll get to him in a moment. So they've made the call. They've gone bang, and as uh, Fieldy said, um, and Kane and, and um, Sando, they, they may have known this since Monday or Tuesday, and, and that's fair, fair enough. You've got to just give him every chance, but they're done. They're, they're clear in what they're doing, the way they go. The Swans sit there going, mm, have we made the right call? Yeah, I think that's it for me, Gaz. Like, the way that he's managed the squad all year. Hasn't he? Like so, that he would have no. I mean, we asked him on Thursday night, and he said he's got to be a hundred percent reading between the lines. He he was unlikely to play, and they've they've made the right call. And 
be different if it was a player like Jeremy Cameron and you're thinking, okay, but he, he is coverable, I think, with the speed and, and the squad depth that they've got. So in the end, you go in fully fit with good depth and it's probably the right call. Sando? Yeah, I think what what should happen, this is what I would do. I would I would move Duncan up to the wing, obviously experienced wingman. Um, O'Connor can just come in and play a role across halfback. Uh, and then you've got most likely Parfit or Menengola as the mm. sub. I just think Menengola would be the obvious one if he's had the match practice, but he hasn't. He's just missed too much match play, I think. So um, they've got the levers to pull. Uh, they've got great depth. I mean, what when you look at their emergencies, um, it just it just highlights what a fantastic job they've done in building this team. Uh, when they lose homes, they just bring in, um, or they've got three or four options that they can that they can do. This I afternoon. just wonder whether Ryan Clark was set for Duncan. Uh, that, that, uh, I yep. had myself thinking about that. John Longmire said they prefer him on a small um, Ryan Clark, so the flow and effect yeah. for that could be could be disruptive for Sydney, who may have had a match upset for Duncan. Duncan shuffles up, and all of a sudden, just the fact that Holmes is out has, uh, I guess, shuffled around Sydney's planning. Yep. Does it magnify the Swans' choice on Sam Reid, which uh, we mm-hmm. presume that he's going to play? Yeah, it does. It, it certainly does. It puts, yeah, in their own mind, uh, Geelong now. Pip- yeah, you know, they uh, position themselves as, hey, we got no risk team. We go in this grand final, no risk taker, bang, we play, and then by virtue of that, the extension is okay. And now we're looking at you, Sydney. Um, he's ready. Yeah, I'm told he's ready to play. It's not, you know, there's no. Let's wait to the last minute. The the um, Logan McDonald despair is real from yesterday, which you know you can understand that for a young fella. But in their mind, he's ready to play. Um, the McLean uh, selection suggests that. It's the ultimate backup in case of insurance. Yeah. Uh, so the, they are absolutely certain until they need to pull the trigger on McLean. <laughs> Is it the right call? Well, he's been so in, well, he's been so important for them, hasn't? He? And who would have thought? I mean, they they probably saw him as a, a backup player at the start of the year. Since round eleven, he's been so influential. Um, so is it the right call? I don't know. Uh, I, I'm, I'm surprised that he couldn't get through the second half of a cutthroat prelim and he's okay the next week. That has me somewhat concerned. He and did come back on, though, remember? He came back yeah. on and he was... There'll be others too, though, Jerry. One of the yeah. great institutions yeah. of grand final day is the post-match, post-mortem, if you like, of the players who have gone in with broken this, broken that, strain this, strain that. So they won't be on their own and that picture will become clear in the afternoon. Well, that was the thing too, Kane. They were, they were 30 points up at halftime last week and we saw Sam Reid running and he looked mm. fine. Um, and we were really surprised that he got subbed. Um, but, yeah, 30 points up in a prelim. Perhaps you just think, listen, he's just felt something. Um, let's not take a risk with 30 points up. And, I mean, they made the right decision. They won by a point. <laughs> but, uh, I don't yeah. think they can win Sando without him. Yeah, that, I, that's, well, that's the reality. And that's yeah. why maybe you look at it and go, okay, uh, Buddy played the way Buddy played, and it was sensational last week. It's going to ask a hell of a lot for him to do it against this Geelong defence and get away with it. So his presence forward to centre and his marking ability, I think, is critical to them. So, and he, he plays he plays twenty percent in the ruck too. Yes, so Hickey yes. Hickey will do eighty percent, and Sam Reid will do twenty percent. But if you lose him in the first ten minutes, um, they've got to have the right sub uh, in, in place today as well. What does Grand Final Day mean to you, Gaz? Well, I don't know, make it. I see one Melbourne man out here who I love <laughs> to death. He's been around the Melbourne Footy Club for a long, long time, and he what it it, it means. I spoke about this this morning. It's at this time of year. It's either you've won one or you haven't, and I say this every year. And for those that have, you are on a different plane because you understand and know it. Now, I never knew it as a player, but I got to experience it as a supporter last year, and I'm looking out at all these supporters. 
these two teams are in a similar position. You know, the Swans not so long ago waiting, waiting 70 odd years for their moment. The Cats, you know, 63 until they won in 2007. That was what Melbourne was last year. And to see it unfold firsthand and the, the, just the unadulterated joy that filtered through my body was as good an experience mm. in sport as I've had. And not without being involved, obviously. That's what makes today the biggest day in our sporting calendar. Is either you do or you don't. Mm. And I got quoted, you know, when Brisbane lost last week, I said, well, they're irrelevant. Now let's, no, I wasn't being disparaging, but it was quoted and, and Brisbane people came at me and I said, no, please. F Collingwood, for everything they did, the moment they lost, they are irrelevant to what's about to unfold. And sadly, one of Geelong and Sydney are going to be irrelevant when the siren goes, you know, at five o'clock. And that's what makes it great. And that's what makes it such an enormous day. So all these people are out here while some of them have stopped eating for the last month so they can afford a ticket. <laughs> All these things are real because they want to experience, when the siren goes, what I finally got to and what you know these boys have. And it's That's why it's the greatest day in sport. What does it mean to you, Kane, having been on both sides of it? Well, I, I was so young when it when it happened and you take it for granted a little bit, you know, 21 years of age, walked into a, a side that was, was basically flying at the time and won a lot of home and away games. And you think, OK, I've got one and there'll be another one. And there might be another one after that. Hope finish playing when you're 30 or 32, but it didn't eventuate. So I, I guess the lifelong bond that you have, we still have a group WhatsApp group from 2004. Um, the players, as much as we can, catch up the Thursday before every grand final. There's the reunions and there's that forever connection that lives on. And the memories of the pride that you feel in being the best team in the competition for one year um, is significant for me. And to do it with Chad as well was, was really special. So to walk across the MCG and now to have my kids with me, they're asking questions about what was it like playing on here in the grand final and what are your memories of it? Um, so it's just, just feel fortunate. And it was such a, wasn't an overriding joy for me. It was such a relief to finally, not finally, to be a premiership player. And Sando, the, the, the experience in a coach's box, which yeah, well, you've had a handful of. Yeah, well, this this day, Jared, and obviously being a lover of the game, and I can remember back being a being a young boy and dreaming of being able to go to a grand final, but let, let alone be involved in one. Um, but mixed emotions for me, Jared. You mentioned at the top of the show, I, I get enormous anxiety still. Twenty seven years later, every Thursday before grand final, because I got dropped for a grand final. Yeah. Um, I played in a prelim uh, for Geelong against Richmond at Waverley. Uh, we won by 89 points, and unfortunately, I got. Well, this is for the for the listeners. These are the days before mobile phones, of course. So, the home phone <laughs> rang. Um, so, you remember the old days? The home phone rang. I picked it up, and it was Gary Ayres, and uh, he said, "Sorry, Sando, we're we're leaving you out um, of the grand final." Grant Tanner came back in, but what made it challenging for me? Ken, Ken Hinckley was was injured. He had a really bad back. Um, he only had half a dozen possessions in the prelim final. Um, and he did a. I, I brought my bag to the grand final with everything packed, ready to play. Um, he did a fitness test at the ground, and was given the green light to play. So I went and sat in the stands. And unfortunately, Geelong lost that day to a really powerhouse side in in Carlton. But then the flip side, um, in 2007, to to win a premiership uh, for Geelong after 34 years, and all those fans. You know, that was for me. That's the that's my first memory and my favourite memory um, of being involved on grand final day was seeing. Grown men and women, um, you know, um, and you know, you would have seen it last year, Gaz, with the with the Melbourne fans who had to wait so long. But just the emotion mm. just overcomes them. Um, I think that's what makes the players so happy as well, is to see what it does for the people who support their club.
Sam, for you? We're the fanboys, aren't we, Jerry? Yeah, we but are. that doesn't mean that we can't have our spines <laughs> tingled. And there's so many to pick from. I always come back to the 2010 draw with the goal gaping for Stephen Milne. How yeah. did the ball bounce inexplicably at right angles and elude him when it looked as though he was going to kick the go-ahead goal? But for mine, I always come back to 2016. The Western Bulldogs, the destiny flag, if you like. They came from seventh, 62 years. That Morris tackle on Buddy, broken back and all. And Tom Boyd. Mm. Tom Boyd, of all people, picks it up and kicks a goal from the centre square. That had such emotion and power behind it. I was, uh, I was almost overwhelmed. And I was a neutral in the day. So I hope, I desperately hope, and the supporters here in, uh, in red and white and blue and uh, white won't want to hear this, but I desperately hope it's close and we get some of that drama again today. I had the call of the scarlet toe poke. <sighs> Massive moment. And... All I can remember about it as it unfolded was by the, when it finished and Chapman had snapped the goal, I was standing up and leaning out the window with no idea how I'd managed to get there. <laughs> An out-of-body experience. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and that was twofold. It was the peak moment of a grand final, and obviously for Geelong it was the decisive moment. But just that realisation is going, my God, how did yep. I get here? And um, I hope we get a key moment today. When you go back and think of the last 10, 20 years at the MCG, big grand finals, Almost all of them have a pivotal key moment that we hang on to and we remember. I wonder if we'll have a toe poke today or a dodgy bounce or a big tackle or a big goal. I hope we get one at the end. And Gaz, intertwined in this grand final are giants of the game. Mm. Like proper legacy here. Franklin, last day of this contract. Is this the day that he wins the flag in red and white? Will Joel Selwood finish the day holding the cup as a premiership captain, his fourth flag? Will Paddy Dangerfield get what... So you say it's you either have or you haven't. Mm. He has the greatest, the most decorated CV of his generation. Will he have it by the end? The storylines are unbelievable when you go through it. And the, the very point, the pointiest of ends is... Joel, who I've been a lover of and unabashed since the day he started, and we always commentators, you fall in love with players. Mm. Don't let anyone tell you differently. So for him to be the you know the the most capped finals player, forty, and I did I read somewhere you, Jared, of all people, you'll be able to tell me this. He's had more finals wins than St Kilda yeah. had as a football club <laughs> That's right. in their history. Yep. Let's just have a think about that mm. for a minute. That is astonishing. So I, I love the prospect of him holding the cup up, uh, uh, holding the cup up. Uh, buddy, buddy just blows my mind every time. So um, he's your footy rock star. So if you come along for sport, you get the rock star thrown in. Patrick Dangerfield is. I read that story today. Um, you know, he seems balanced. He seems very much. Pragmatic, yeah. Well, let's wait and see the little <laughs> siren goes, Paddy, which is great. And then at the other end, I've got Paddy McCartan, who's yep. um, who come around last night for an hour and just sat there on the couch because he just wanted to have some degree of normalcy. And just huh. he just sat there and looked like he was about to go and play, you know, in the under 18s. Are you responsible for his pre-game meal then? No, I wasn't. No, oh. he'd already eaten. No. But <laughs> I was just cool, just sitting there and you know, just fighting every answer me who wanted to ask him every single question but we watched a couple of races watched the NRL and then he went home so my heart is with him and that story which we know now everyone knows so well so there's, there they are there's yeah. your stories and in between there are another you know, dozen oh, or more which, Stengel it goes on and yeah, on Stengel's great I was going to say that, though, I can't remember a grand final with that many storylines so I was yeah, Paddy McCartan Tyson Stengel the ones you've just mentioned is phenomenal players that have been around for a long time Hawkins I mean well, what a player Tom Hawkins like just automatic straight into the Hall of Fame um, you know, Luke Park is a star an underrated star who's built for, for finals so 
Isaac Heaney is a match-winning player. There's storylines everywhere. I can't remember that many. Jeremy Cameron on the massive deal, the risk that they took to give up three first-round draft picks and pay him that much Tom money. Hickey. Tom Hickey, fourth <laughs> club. Like, ev- everywhere. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's what I'm... But Geelong coach. He's so a storyline in himself. thrilled about. Um, at the end of this game, there's going to be pages and pages of write-ups of the storylines of these individuals and collectively as a team. Gaz, it's great to have you with us at the start so of the nice. broadcast. I, I needed a little bit of a hit before I go down and yeah. do some stuff for Fox. And then I'm not – for um, the second time, last year was different because I was invested to Sando like yep. you've never seen. Today, <laughs> totally just in the stand watching, and I can't wait. I'll be having um, the AFL Nation in the earbuds, and away we go. And I hope it's a great call. You boys will absolutely rip it to shreds, and whoever is the best team should win, and that is what will happen. Enjoy it. Good luck, Good on you, boys. Gary Lyon with us at the start of crunch time. What, what are we to say of yesterday? So I brought the kids down to the parade. I, I, I get the negativity around it. We had, a, we had such a fun morning. We were down on the Yarra. As it turned out, we were at the turning point. So we probably had A1 just by sheer accident. There was a third of the crowd beyond mm. us that the, the boats never got to, including at Princess Bridge. So those down to the right of us would feel like they were misled. Then there was this great migration. I... I know there are some who are riding Stampede. It was just it was just a great migration of people. And we passed the cars three times on our walk coming back. So yeah. the kids got to see the players four times over on our walk back to the stage. It, it'll never happen again. I don't think so. And I get that it'll be held up as a, look what they did, how ridiculous. But you know what? To be out in that crowd in our colours, it was okay. It wasn't a meatloaf moment, was it? <laughs> well, it might have been, but we still enjoyed ourselves. And maybe it fits into the basket of it was worth a crack. We try everything once and maybe it didn't quite work out. And yes, the diagram did have those pontoons yeah. going to the Princess Street Bridge oh, and they got, turned early. We got sold the wrong We got sold, sold the wrong picture. So I was up the other end, Jared, right. with my kids. And all I could see was a big boat. You couldn't individualise the players. No, I, wanted, a, is that I, I wanted them all milk? like together in a, in a small boat seated next to each other, not a big barge boat with all of them. So, not for me. Not for me. I think that'll be the overwhelming yeah. sentiment, but we had a great time. When yeah. they made land, it was... It was I, saw your t- <laughs> I saw your tweet. Ahoy there. Ahoy there. But when they made land, and they got on the back of the Hiluxes, and they made them their way over William Barrack Bridge, and the city was in the background, and people were close. There was intimacy there, and the players were engaged, and there were even high fives. Oh, that was magnificent. I really love that. So maybe... Maybe just back to the Utes next Do you reckon the players are more relaxed now, Sander? Yeah. Like, Patrick you... Dangerfield was playing the theme I, uh, from Gilligan's Island on his phone I, on the bar. I couldn't. I, just the way <laughs> that... I have multiple players who have told me that. Yeah. <laughs> so the way that it's shifted from Tom Papley's social... Maybe we just see it more because social media with the hilarious image of the sign with him pushing more and then his facial expressions to Jeremy Cameron speaking about the, the, the chooks that have hatched eggs that he's going to eat for grand final breakfast. Just How relaxed is that part? It was just... It was just amazing the the way that players' attitudes have changed, and it's, I think that's for the better. Like, yeah. To, yeah. Well, I think. When I did think, you notice that? Oh, well, I think coaching's changed as well. Remember the era with the grand final parade where uh, was it Pagan? You know, it's taught his yeah. players to take off the sunglasses, no and no one could smile. There was. <laughs> there's been coaches that have said, "Put your game face on." Yeah. Like no interaction with the fan. Like we're 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 almost too focused, too far out. But I think, yeah, I think the players are much better now at enjoying the moment, knowing that it, it hardly ever comes around, if, if, if at all. So, yeah, I think the players would have loved it yesterday. The players would have, um, and to have their families involved now, I, I can't remember the first time that, yeah. or the first year that, mm. that the, the kids were allowed to sort of be involved as well. But 
Yeah, back back in the nineties, Kane, it was game face, no no sunglasses. Yes, let's, so let's Chad used to get to the change rooms early. He was the first one there. And by the time we got there, he's almost running into brick walls, like yeah, yeah. warming himself up. And then if he saw anyone smile, he'd say, we're not switched on today. We're not switched so, I mean, How would it, like, he's changed clearly now because he's coaching. But I think that's great. I think to see the relaxed nature of the players, because really it's going to mean nothing if you're having a laugh 24 hours before the ball's bounced. But it was a good insight yesterday, just the way that the attitudes have shifted. Yeah. Do you have one enduring image scene yeah. that you hold on to from a premiership from Hun- your premiership victory? I've got a I've got a, a lot of them. Just a, Bruce McAvaney sent me a text message on the morning of the grand final. I've told this a couple of times. And he said to me, just be wary. The ball just sits differently on the MCG. So you don't play on the MCG a little bit. Instead, it's not going to bounce as high. So just know if the ball's bouncing in front of you, just bend your knees a little bit lower and bend down to get the footy because it's a bit more spongy at the MCG. This is grand final morning. Just stuff that sticks with you. And just before the uh, national anthem, which is, I think, when you're at the height of your nerves. That was always for me, just prior to the national anthem. You just feel sick and you just want it to start. Mark Williams just came over and he sort of sensed that and he just made some joke about the entertainment. And it just was enough to loosen me up. So there's a couple of small things that were really influential in my mindset as a young player, just to just to relax, enjoy the moment a little bit, and then the game starts and you're away. Yours? Me, yeah, Jared, I've, like you, I love the Scarlet Topok of 09. That's, that's, that's tattooed in my memories, but... I can remember, and unfortunately Kane's sitting next to me, but in 2007, I used to sit next to Mark Thompson in the coach's box. In the first quarter, um, Brad Ottens ran down Michael Pettigrew. Pettigrew. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he ran, and that's the slowest man on the field against the fastest man yeah. on the field. And um, I'll never forget it. And the, the hairs on my, on my back, on my, everything's standing up now. <laughs> I can still put myself in that moment, Kane. I looked next to me at Mark Thompson and I smiled. It's the worst thing I could have done but he smiled back at me. And it's almost like we knew yeah. that for whatever reason, if, if those sort of things are happening, your day. it's our day, as simple as that. And um, I regret doing it, but now I'll think back at one of my fondest grand, grand final memories. Great stories awesome. to share. All right, we'll delve into the two clubs, not just the teams, but the clubs, perennially successful Geelong and Sydney. And here they are meeting in the grand final of 2022. And our only guest on Crunch Time today is going to be Tom Harley. How could it not be? Premiership captain at Geelong, chief executive for the Swans. And he w- in a different world, he would have been the cup presenter, yeah. Sam. He, Geelong would have had him as the cup presenter. And it. now Cameron Ling does it in the lineage because Tom's emotionally engaged with the other mob. Just a pillar mm. in both organisations with different hats on. Great story, Tom. Our grand final discussion on Crunch Time is for Werribee Isuzu Utes. Upgrade your old ute into D-Max now. They are paying top dollar for trade-ins. The award-winning crunch time. Two games clear on top of the ladder is one of their strengths, but they've got many of them. But it's then making sure that we just remind ourselves of what we do as well. So it's two teams in good form, trust each other's systems, and so that's what will make it a great grand final. John Longmire with the terms of engagement. Our grand final discussion for Werribee Isuzu Ute. Upgrade your old Ute into D-Max now. They are paying top dollar for trade-ins. Sam, we've been scanning around the, the North Melbourne breakfast and the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, has said to Gil, having watched the parade on the Yarra yesterday, to quote a former Prime Minister, 
we do need to stop the boats. <laughs> you want a bit of stand-up, Albert? Not bad. <laughs> uh, these two clubs, not just the teams before us and what they've been able to do over such a period of time, same span of the two coaches. They have been in nine of the 12 final series together. Uh, the Swans have missed a couple of times. The Cats have missed once in their tenures. These are two remarkably run clubs, Kane. Blows me away. It really does, um, particularly uh, Geelong, but also to, yeah, to a lesser extent, Sydney and the culture that they've built. The way that you look through their list and their targeting of players to come from other clubs, and there's a number of those from both sides today, and the culture that they've built, which makes their systems attractive for players to come and play there for less money or for opportunity or for lifestyle, is something that, yeah, I just would love to be a Geelong supporter because you know each and every year they're going to give it a crack and they're not going to cop out and, and rebuild and go down the bottom of the ladder for five years. They continue to stay relevant and to do what they've done this year and win 15 games in a row with the age demographic of their club, honestly, it's, it's going to be one of the greatest premierships of all time if they win it. I've written them off every year for the last eight, Sando. How have they done it? What is it about them? Well, number one, when, you, when Joe talks about culture, what... These two clubs do really well as they invest in their people, first of all. So whether you're... What does that mean? Give, well, me, an, like, give me an well, example. If you can talk about players initially. So they, they support their players, but also to staff members. Um, and that's just not the senior coach. That's assistant coaches, development coaches, uh, people in commercial operations. Mm. They invest in their people. So hardly anyone ever leaves. When was the last Geelong yeah. coach to get sacked? Yeah. It was John, John Devine back in the 1980s. <laughs> Um, similar with Sydney, you know, it's it's Paul Roos with the handover to John Longmire, who's been there, as, as, as Jared said, for, for 11 or 12 years. Um, so it's it's stability, first of all. Um, but also, too, you look at Kinnear Beats and, and also Stephen Wells. Mm. When you talk about list build, um, they invest in great people as well. So uh, when it comes up, when you've got two players who almost have the same talent and you've got to make a decision, they will pick the character. So they, they look at players that um, have been, um, and that's why you know, they, they do so many interviews of players. They're, they're looking for moments of resilience and grit in their upbringing. Mm. So on moments like today, Jared, when you're challenged, third quarter, fourth quarter, time on in a massive game, it's players that have had experience of resilience and grit um, that typically will stand up and deliver on the big stage. So I think it comes across with that Bloods culture that they talk about all the time. Um, it's character. It's the ability to be able to call upon people with, with strong personalities when it, when it really matters. Yeah, the way that, so that's the Geelong aspect and the way that Sydney have been able to rejuvenate with leg speed and youth. And I guess Fremantle have taken a similar view is to perhaps sacrifice some of the older players and Kennedy's felt that a little bit, you know, pushed out to the wing or pushed out to sub and let's prioritise getting Warner the minutes, getting McInerney, getting Gould and getting these players the midfield minutes that they need. So in two, three years' time, they're going to be in a position on the MCG on grand final day and Josh Kennedy's not there. Yep. And he's played in three grand finals and has been a star in all three. He's won one. Um, but they've selflessly done that as well. So... Yeah, they're clearly the two best coaches in the game. I'm fascinated by... I think Chris Scott feels like he's got an advantage because he coaches from the box. Yep. And there's been a lot of coaches that have gone downstairs and with good success. I'm not saying that it doesn't, it's not successful. So John Longmire is going to coach for the interchange bench. I think Chris Scott feels like he's got 
um, a bit of an advantage to see the game strategically with his crew there, with all the vision, with all the stats, yep. and he feels comfortable up there, whereas John Longmire is going to be on the bench. I'm a bit fascinated by the dynamics of that, and you can probably explain it to us. Well, I, I know Chris Scott really well. I coached with him in 2011 in that, in that flag. I, I wasn't there on grand final day. I got the Crows job, but um, he is, as you said, Kane, he is brilliant with his tactics, and even when you pull this game apart... Every lever that Swans will pull, yeah. it feels like Geelong will have an answer. Um, and we, I, I said to Jared this week, I think Blitzavs is the most important player on the ground today, the way that he can play a multitude of roles mm. to free up Tom Stewart across halfback. So that would have been a decision that was made um, through Chris Scott and his coaching team at the start of the year. Uh, and it's, it's, it's also a great debate. What, what comes first? If you're, if you're a senior coach, you've got a way that you want to play. But you might not have the squad that can actually play that way that you want to play. So you've got to make adjustments to the to the talent or the cattle that you've got at your disposal. And that's where I think both of these clubs were fantastic this year. Geelong changed their game plan. And round one this year at the MCG, they beat Essendon with his whole new game style. They beat him by almost 100 yeah. points. Um, and it was an adjustment when I think Chris Scott said, we've got these two awesome forwards, Hawkins and, and Jeremy Cameron, but we move the ball so slow and methodically across mm. half-back that it allows the opposition time to get back and, I guess, congest our forward line. So this year, they've just gone fast. They've looked for opportunities to go forward and fast and access those key forwards um, earlier. And you know what happened? They both kicked 60 goals. <laughs> um, Incredible. So, uh, and an adjustment to the game plan was fantastic. And John Longmire did something similar. They changed their defensive system halfway through this season. Um, and they, since the bye, they've, their, their defence has been sensational. I thought they played a dangerous game um, halfway through the year, up, up, up until about round 10 or 11. Uh, but they made adjustments, had the courage to do that, um, and they find themselves in a grand final today. And they bring serious heat. Uh, so Geelong, the toughest team in the competition around the football, they, yep, they yep. will brutalise you, and they did that to, to Lockie Neal in Brisbane last week. We saw that on full display. But Sydney bring significant pressure. And that, the, the, so the first 10 minutes is going to be fascinating. I re remember the 2014 grand final where Hawthorne just came after yep. Sid Light and they just couldn't cope with that intensity early. So I think the start to this game is going to be important. Can Sydney maintain that pressure? And can Geelong be that brutal around the football as they've been all year? Um, that's why I think it's a, a captivating game as well. And just on Longmire with his personnel change as well, like Florent going to halfback, yep. Blakey being settled across halfback, the moves that he's made. Papley now is a star centre bounce yep. player. You wouldn't have thought that at the start of the year. McCartan comes in and plays halfback. Um, you know, so just the, the way that they've identified the strengths of their squad and then put them in positions to maximise that is why they're there today. There's an interesting aspect of these two teams have turned what geographically was a historical uh, disadvantage into their out-and-out mm. advantage. Sydney mining their local market and putting young players through their academy. And Geelong, where historically they couldn't get anyone to go down to Sleepy Hollow, is just tracking those players from regional Victoria and then offering them that. Yeah, 100%. You've only got to ask rival list managers and they just marvel at the fact that Sleepy Hollow has become the greatest catchment area in the game at the moment. It's a massive advantage, they say, for, for Geelong, who are able to draw on the entire west of Victoria. All those country-based players who have gone and been drafted elsewhere, they can bring them back because Geelong now offers them balance, offers them lifestyle, offers them an escape, and yet they still get to play the big games at the MCG. So... 
it's amazing how that has become a, a draw card for them when, as you say, you know, 10 years ago, no one wanted to live down that way, Jared, and they really struggled to recruit, and now it's a massive advantage. What of Joel Selwood, Jared? Uh, how do you read he wasn't giving much away yesterday and hasn't? He said he plays every game like it's his last, and today will be no different, and it will be a mutual decision. How do you read life beyond Joel, and could this be his defining moment of lifting the cup up in his last game? Yeah, so I can absolutely see that as his final moment in footy if he fulfills that last ambition to be a, a premiership captain. So I, I was just from removed, he's addicted to the game, so it's going to be a hard release when it comes. Mm. But that image and what, what more would there be to do other than play, which he loves with all his heart. So I can see that. At the end, I think there have probably been moments this year where he hasn't been in Geelong's best no. 22, but they've they've worked him through masterfully. He's been so influential in these two finals. So, yeah, that's in the legacy pieces. His might, he and Buddy are the two biggest legacy pieces of all. We're going to have a former Geelong premiership captain who's about to join us, Tom Harley, the Swans chief executive. All this for Werribee Isuzu Ute. They make buying cars easy. The award-winning Crunch Time. This is the grand final edition of Crunch Time. We are at the live side outside the MCG. There was only one interview we wanted to conduct during this special broadcast because his place today is unique. He is a Geelong Premiership captain and in a sliding doors world, he would have been invited to present the cup today, but he is the chief executive of the Sydney Swans. Tom Harley, thank you for making the time and welcome to Crunch Time. No, thanks so much for having me, Jared. A, a pleasure to be here on Grand Final Day. I, I don't imagine there's any mixed feelings, but are you cognizant of your unique place in all of this? <laughs> I think that, that's probably as good a way to explain it, Jared. So, so no mixed feelings, totally invested in in the uh, the red and white camp, but at the same time, um, if I wasn't um, thinking there's a connection, I've certainly been told about it a lot this week. So uh, uh, quite, a, quite a unique set of circumstances, but... Um, overriding just fortune to be back on grand final day does it stir a few memories in you of those glorious days <laughs> uh, i haven't uh, when i uh, when i when i arrive and uh, look around and uh, the build-up at the parade all those sorts of things it, it, it was a fantastic time of my life and um it's very interesting looking at the game through a very different lens um, from player to administrator but um it is just a fantastic day and a fantastic week to be a part of. So, um, as I say, uh, uh, really pleased to be back. Give us, if you can, articulate that insight for us. What, what is it like as an administrator now to come to grand final day with your team? Yeah, look, I think that the main thing, and this is the thing that people um, don't see or, or and, and probably don't need to understand, but there's a hell of a lot of work that goes on in the background um, there's obviously the players and the coaches. Now, they're the most prominent part of um, of your football team. And, and then you've got your football department staff, and I think that's pretty well known. But then there's an army of people behind that. Um, and for grand final week in particular, um, after our heart rate settled down from 250 to about <laughs> 80 on the, uh, the Sunday from last week after the preliminary final, um, our operations and logistics team um, get to work with uh, tickets and travel and accommodation. Um, which is far more pronounced for a non-Victorian team in grand final week. So there's a lot of coordination around that. Um, uh, we have our final board meeting uh, board meeting uh, on the last Thursday of every month, um, which was uh, held obviously on Thursday this week. And, and from that point on, it's 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 a bit it's a bit quieter, but certainly a lot of logistical and operational um, requirements in the lead up. 
How were the emotions in the last two minutes and 42 seconds, say, of the preliminary <laughs> final? <laughs> I, I, um, I found myself sitting in absolute isolation. Now, that had nothing to do with COVID protocols. <laughs> um, Jared, I, uh, I think those who were sitting around me probably <laughs> felt the tension. And, and to be fair, the way our, our, our fans, members and supporters responded in those last couple of minutes, the, whole, the hallways of the SCG were probably like the... Uh, like the highway, there were people pacing everywhere. So I sat, I sat by myself, um, uh, and it was a, I mean, an unbelievable game. And and I'm not sure I've experienced a sporting atmosphere like that. Um, it was absolutely heaving. And the SCG is a ground that can throb, and I've been on the ground when it was throbbing in a semi-final, yes. and in the stands when it was throbbing in a preliminary final, and uh, quite an extraordinary, extraordinary experience. How significant an achievement is it, Tom, to see this team? make the big day when you consider how rapidly the how rapid the rise is over a couple of seasons yeah look i think it's you know very very proud of everyone involved in the club and it does take everyone um as i say the the the, uh the front line of the players and coaches who take should rightly so um be on that front line take a lot of the credit um uh, but I'm extremely proud of, of, of everyone else in the football club, from the board through to the, the, the non-football department staff. And I think what the last couple of years has, has taught us all is that, um, you know, it's been a challenge and COVID has been very tricky. And um, we were transitioning our list through through COVID. And, and one of the reflections I've had this week, Jared, was um, in 2020 when everyone was on the road and um, we had an extremely young list and, and John Longmire spoke to the group just prior to boarding the first bus on our way to Brisbane, I think it was at that time, and said, this is an opportunity. You can go one or two ways here. You can lean in and get the most out of it, or, or you can look at all of the other aspects to it that, uh, that could lead itself to a negative experience. And, and to the credit of our club, I think we really lent into that, and, um, and uh, I guess the building blocks were put in place. Um, where, where we are now um, is, is where... We think we should be. Um, people will make comment as to whether we're ahead of time, but we've always had confidence in the, the calibre of our people um, and certainly the calibre of the young talent that's been coming through and not underestimating by any stretch the, the role that our senior players have played. You know, Dane Rampey, Lance Franklin, Luke Parker, Josh Kennedy, um, Tom Hickey and the like. They've been enormous for our younger group. Tom, it's Sam Edmund here. Regardless of what happens today, well done. Congratulations on a great campaign. I, I suppose if there's two clubs that have defied the equalisation process, it's your old club and, and your current one who meet today. It's a bit like, you know, asking the meaning of life. All clubs are searching for the same answer. What, what, what's the common thread, if there is one or a couple, between the two that have made it possible, do you think? Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Again, um, a question I've been asked a bit this week, and, and there's no special... Um, recipe or secret sauce. Or I think um, what both clubs and, and I can really only comment to be fair on my time at Geelong from you know, mm. a decade and a bit ago now. But um, know Steve Hocking exceptionally well, and and um, and know a number of the staff there, and, and clearly some of the players. But um, fundamentally, they, they're really good people. Um, you know, skills typically are acquired, um, character and, and and values not so much. Um, and so I think what the, the two clubs have done, and I'll speak now on behalf of the Swans, that we have really good people. We have stability in, in key roles. Um, we have a board led by Andrew Pridham, who's been on the board for um, coming up to two decades, um, uh, taking over from Richard Collis and, and Andrew Island's on the board, the previous CEO. So we've got some good stability around our program. I think at the core of it, but certainly from our point of view, we put football first, and that's not necessarily... 
um, you know, just the, the wins and losses of football, but it's making decisions around football and around the people that you want to have within your organisation that, 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 mm. that better your football program and, and that drive just to be better each day. Wake up better and um, wake up today committing to be better than what we were yesterday and so on and so on. So um, I think the similarities would lie somewhere in there. Well, speaking of the McInerney's yesterday, Tom, and they were almost in awe of the welfare, the support network, the care, and everything that goes into making the families as well as the players feel welcome. I mean, when you're creating a home, mm. a new home for these kids, I mean, and making the families mm. welcome, I guess the role that plays in the morale and the culture of the place. I mean, when John McInerney saw James Rowbottom's old man, it was almost like they were long-lost brothers. Can you speak a bit to the community that you create up there? Yeah, John and Adam are two of the best, two fantastic families, the McInerney's and Rowbottom's. And, um, look, we're acutely aware that 75% of our playing list aren't from Sydney um, or New South Wales. So the, the role and the emphasis that we put on, on welfare and wellbeing is, is, um, is well told. I think going way back, we were the first club to put on a clinical psychologist as opposed to the sports psychologist to make sure that we have, a, a, as best we can, an understanding of our players. And, um, you know, we have had a strong emphasis on player welfare. Dennis Carroll... Um, a long-time play welfare manager um, that stepped down from the role at the end of end of COVID to to move on to to a, a quieter lifestyle, but handed the baton over to Brett Kirk um, and Phoebe Jago, um, who supports Brett amazingly well, and, and and those two in particular play a great role with our families, and um, you know to, to get that reinforcement from John and Lila and 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 the Rowbottoms, I think is is really important because we do put a significant value on it. Can I just quickly ask about Lance Franklin deal, which was obviously sensitive and delicate, and we get all that, the timing of it. I mean, we were you thrilled to get that done, you know, given you're going into a grand final, and, and I guess the narrative that would have definitely continued had it not been tied off? Yeah, I think you can all make a reasonable assumption that um, uh, we'd, we'd come to terms marginally before the Monday yes. night when it was released, yeah. but um, and only marginally, to be fair, but... But uh, you know, Lance. Lance was um, he was very keen um, to once that was done. Uh, you know, the plan was clearly to to park till the end of the season. But once he made it through to the grand final, um, and being the team player that he is, he's 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 got great awareness to know that he would have been a headline. Is this going to be his last training session? Is it going to be his last bus ride? His last kick? His last goal? His last game? All those sorts of things. When we knew yeah. it wasn't going to be so. Um, so I thought the timing was was right to announce that on Monday night. Just give us a closing word here, Tom. Is your part of building an enduring culture at Geelong and then you move into Sydney where the Bloods culture is revered? Mm. Did they put you through an initiation when you arrived there? And if you were going to articulate it to the layman on the outside, what is this culture that we will so admire this afternoon? Uh, look, there's, there's certainly a playing culture that I haven't been um, inducted into. And to be fair, <laughs> I've never actually seen it. It, it is revered internally and I, I steer clear of that. But um, you know, if I, I did. I was asked earlier in the week to, to put my finger on it, and I think it's as simple as just doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason. Um, and and when you are in that fortunate position to recruit people, players, staff, um, take that job very seriously and um, and recruit for uh, uh, the right the right people who are ultimately going to be cultural cultural contributors. Um, so that's a focus of ours. But. Uh, um, I can't take too much credit for the for the for the Swans. I've uh, I've very much been a custodian in my role, and and um, and uh, you know really enjoy getting into work every day, rolling my sleeves up with some terrific people, and if success comes off the back of that, that's fantastic. 
there's no accident when success follows someone throughout their career in footy. Tom, the very best of luck to you this afternoon and thanks for making the time for us today. Well done, Tom. No, thanks, Jared. Thanks, Sam. Tom Harley, the Swans Chief Executive on Grand Final Day with us on Crunch Time. Welcome to Crunch Time. It is the grand final edition of Crunch Time. We are at the live site in Yarra Park, which is a magnificent sight. The hoops and the red and whites before us as we look out from our vantage point. Crunch Time for Suzuki. When adventure calls, the all-new Suzuki S-Cross is the answer. Jared Waitley, Sam Edmund, Kane Corns and Brenton Sanderson. We will look at the, the biggest issue of the week, the pressing concern for the football world beyond today shortly. But we're in mid-conversation around the grand final. Tom Harley with a splendid... What a, what a sight. What a position he's in, Brenton oh, what Sanderson. A, what a superstar and obviously I'm great mates with Tom. I, I played alongside him I coached him uh, that 07 uh, premiership something special but it's like now it's 12 o'clock right so the players are starting to arrive at the ground. This is when that, that fantastic mm. energy around the stadium goes to another level and I just think Jared, about, about the great Joel Selwood and how he would be feeling now um, arguably the greatest cap particularly today Sam and Kane if he if he wins the premiership today, if Geelong win the premiership today and he holds the cup up, arguably the greatest cat of all time. Now, maybe not talent because you've yep. got the ablets, but has, has there been a more courageous, symbolic leader uh, of this era of, of Geelong? Uh, no, not for me. I, the, one of the, the greatest captain ever. Could he be the greatest captain ever? Well, he could be. Oh, I mean, oh, he already holds the numerical record. I'm a bit biased with the... So I'm a prisoner of time, really. So I, you know, you're, you're in that era that he played the same as me. So you, you neglect back in the, the 80s and the mm. 70s. So you, you're more focusing on the more present. But in terms of his record as captain, it's as, as good as anything that I can see. So does he end up being Geelong's greatest if he wins today? Yes, not their most brilliant, the Ablets are there, but the, the most significant contribution. But will he be the AFL's greatest ever captain? Be hard to go past. Well, I think, Kane, when you go back to this era that started probably 05, 06, was when all that great young talent really started to, to um, emerge at Geelong. And I, I've said this before, that a lot of people think that culture shifts come from the top down. Um, what I saw at Geelong was a culture shift that came from the bottom up. And Joel Selwood led that as an 18 or 19-year-old can you imagine that? Mm. Came into that club and said, I came here to win flags. I came here to win premierships. Um, and there was a, a change in behaviours from senior players that was driven by a young man um, who came in that wanted to win premierships. And, and, and we've seen now. And if he can hold that premiership cup up today, I think, I think Kane, he goes down as the greatest cat mm. um, in this long club's history. So it is... I think you have to make sure you appreciate what we're about to see. So in terms of hall, future Hall of Famers out on the ground, but in terms of legends. Yeah. Yeah. So Lance Franklin will be a Hall 100%. of Fame legend. In 30 years' time, there will be that night. Yep. And I think 
if Selwood wins today, he absolutely will be. He probably will be anyway mm. for all the records that he has amassed along the way. But it is entirely likely that there are consecutive nights in th- as consecutive years in 30 years' time where two of the figures we're about to witness become uh, elevated to the highest level that the game offers. It's mouthwatering. That's what makes this game so so great today. And then then, then there's the, the Hall of Famers that are just out there. I mean, there's how many? There's five or six or a handful, certainly when you look at Dangerfield and Hawkins, and there'll be others that were Jeremy Cameron perhaps when he's finished with his career. So a handful of walk-up Hall of Famers and a couple of legends. Incredible. Our minds are obsessed with the possibilities of the afternoon. The game has a bit more to deal with than that beyond today. That was revealed on Wednesday when the details of Hawthorne's racism investigation were published and the troubles on many fronts that this represents for the families who have been brave enough to tell their stories and for two of the elder statesmen of footy who who are plunged into the middle of this, Alistair Clarkson and Chris Fagan, who through the week have stood down from their positions as coaches. This is Sean Burgoyne, the, the most senior Indigenous figure at Hawthorne during those years on Channel 7 today. Come as a surprise. Um, I'm in a bit of shock, a bit of disbelief about the allegations that have taken place, especially while I was at the club. Um, I was asked to be involved in a, a formal review from the Hawthorne Footy Club, which I have, and I wasn't quite sure what was going to come out of it because everything's confidential and the alleged allegations have come out and they're quite shocking and disturbing, um, which has you know, taken myself and a whole lot of teammates and people around the club in it by surprise. Um, so you know, I'm, I'm feeling a lot of different things at the moment, as are a lot of players. You know, I've spoken to Gil on a, um, a few occasions, so there's obviously an investigation. They're handling it very seriously. It's going to take six to eight weeks, and um, I just want to wait until the actual findings of that comes out, and then we'll know the exact details of what happened, what went on, if anything went on, and I'll be in, in better position then to make a, a proper, you know, statement and you know, you know, make a, a judgment on what happened then after the full investigation goes through. So there's the narrow and the broad here, Sam. Mm. There are the very specific allegations at the moment and how they relate to Hawthorne and that there are other clubs now tied in by virtue of where people work. And then there's the broader, is that this will go to football's relationship with its Indigenous players completely, I suspect. I think the way it's played out is immensely difficult. You know, as you say, for the claimants and the families to bear their souls must have been enormously challenging and scary for them. And then for the defendants, Clarkson, uh, Fagan, Jason Burt, who have all taken respective leaves of absence from their jobs, who have not had any visibility on the review, uh, the re- review conducted by Phil Egan, or any ability to, to defend themselves or have a right of reply at this stage. So the AFL saying Gil McLaughlin they had no control or ability to shape it. Clearly, they would have preferred that it didn't, wasn't made public this week or any week until they went through the process. They've, uh, the families have appointed uh, the troubleshooting lawyer, I suppose you'd call him, uh, Leon Zwyer, to represent them. Peter Gordon has been engaged by the AFL ahead of this independent uh, panel led by King's Council that they're going to determine, that four-person panel. But there are so many different strands that this could go in. For Fagan and Clarkson have both vehemently denied any wrongdoing so far, Jared. Proper process needs to be followed, and it will, and it's going to take some time. And that's when we get into the consequences and the fallout from here, which could be far, far greater reaching than the here and now. And that's when we start talking about Brisbane and North Melbourne and the coaching landscape, the player landscape. But we could talk about it for hours. Yeah, it goes in a lot of different directions. So maybe from uh, those who have lived the experience inside a club, coaches and players, just 
when, when you read what was detailed, did, did it marry up with anything that, that you could have imagined at a footy club? No, not, not for me. I'm um, so thankful and appreciative of the time that I had at an AFL football club. And, and for me, I was fortunate that I always felt like the club had the person first and the football second. This, this story reads as football first, person second, and, and in a significant way. And that is the disturbing aspect behind it. Um, the links that you know, has what been reported to, to get these players to, I guess, to their words, focus on their football is, is extraordinary, really. So I've never seen anything like it, Jared. I've never been in a situation or heard anything like this at a football club before. And I think that's why it's blown all of us away a little bit, that clubs would go to such lengths as what has been reported. Yeah, exactly the same as Kane. And um, I was, um, and there's no words that can say, when, when you read the report, it was horrible. And uh, immediately uh, you felt... Um, disgusted uh, in what you read um, and I've had so many people Jared reach out to me non-football people wanting answers so this is a, obviously a huge story uh, my experiences at Clubland um, and coaching is is very close to counselling at times so um, players uh, trust you as a coach and can you mm. can recall your relationships with coaches at the time um, you have to form this incredible relationship where uh, players often come to you for matters non-football related because there's a trust. And quite often players are away from their homes or away from their family or away from their, their closest support network. So as a coach, and I've experienced this where if a player opens up to you about anything, is you have to have the ability to be able to point that player in the right direction around mental health and depression yeah. and, and these personal matters. Um, a coach should never, ever step in when it comes to matters of, of personal issues, mm. Kane, like you said. Um, and I can recall moments when I've, when I've, um, when I've had to uh, encourage a player or walk a player to someone that's more qualified than myself to give them advice um, in those situations. So unfortunately, yes, uh, coaching and counselling um, are, are really closely related, but I was amazed what I read. Let's let's put it that way. I was I was really shocked. So, um, and even now talking about it, I feel I actually feel quite quite emotional. But uh, I just I hope we get to the bottom of, of of this because this needs to this needs to be a full stop on whatever happens now at footy clubs going forward. Jared, does Gillan McLaughlin stay until this report is finished? Uh, hopefully, hopefully it would be done on his watch. There, there was a really interesting. Um, an immediate step from the AFL who are, they're control freaks. They, they very, very rarely let anything out of their own remits and uh, to their detriment at times. Mm. Clearly in the match fisking investigation, in the initial stages of the drug investigation mm. at Essendon, they would have been well wiser to hand it over, but they didn't want to lose control over their own, their own business and their own potential damage. So to immediately move quite rightly to an independent setup here that will need to be uh, culturally sound to have the confidence of the Indigenous families mm. to come and feel empowered to tell their story without, without the risk of being um, not listened to or worse... That, that was that's very significant. There was no missing the gravity of yeah. that. So that gives you the broader lens. And Eddie Betts, we owe a lot to Eddie Betts within football. And I, I've consistently said he will change the country. He will change football first. 
is his notion of an ongoing commission or a, a look at each club's involvement through time, and it might need to be, it might need to be accompanied by an amnesty mm. to actually get the right stories told. Because I think we we kid ourselves that the game has has led and reformed and created this beautiful experience for Indigenous Australians yeah. as a broad brush. And that's clearly not true. Mm. I, I look at some of the responses to this. So Clarkson was great with the Indigenous players. Says a white guy. Mm. This is all on it. It's always on our terms. You can't take offence to that. That's not how we meant it. No, it's got nothing to do with us. It's about how it was to you. And this is why Eddie, for so long, behind the scenes had said that the desperate need for an Indigenous welfare officer at every club, somebody who would have the cultural mm. sensitivities and the expertise and the, the right level of, of counselling and awareness to be able to guide everybody through this. There's a responsibility when you bring an Indigenous player into your club, which I think is viewed completely differently. Look what we're doing for Indigenous Australia. No, it's the other way around. Mm. And I suspect these stories need to be told right across the competition over this period of time so that whatever is required, not the wearing of colourful jumpers, whatever is required is actually there in the aftermath of this. Mm. Well said. And then um, Alistair Clarkson and, and North Melbourne and the fallout from, from all of that. Yeah, so this is really yeah. difficult. But there is anonymity for those who have been brave enough to tell their stories, and that is so important to the point where Hawthorne and the AFL and the accused don't know who the players are. So you are trying to mount a defence in the, in the dark, if you like. So who is it? What were the circumstances? What were the dates? All the stuff that you would need to, to be able to defend it, that, that's not there for them for the time being. It's going to make it incredibly difficult to defend. And, they, and then there's the aspect of their defence deserves the same level of publicity that the accusations have had. And then it's for eminent individuals to decipher the truth. I imagine there will be parts that will always be disputed, but there will be parts that are established mm. and then what that leads to. So that part, I think, is incredibly difficult on Clarkson and Fagan and their reputations right now. Do we need to get our heads around the possibility that those two might not ever coach again? I think that's a, that and, is a possibility. And should North Melbourne and Brisbane, to what level of contingency planning do you do, particularly if you are North Melbourne? Do you have your panel assembled ready to go? Do you have your shortlist ready to go? And are you derelict in your duties if you don't have the much-debated plan B, at least confidentially in the background right now, should the worst possible outcome unfold? You would think they're doing that right now. Yeah, so you can't rush to judgment, but there's a football imperative. If this... That panel will need to take as long as it needs to take. If that's if that's six to eight weeks, great. Yeah. If it's four months, if it's six months, then that's what's required. Mm. So the football imperative lives there somewhere. At some point, the Lions have to face up to this. At some point, it's more the Kangaroos, I think, mm. who the new coach is not going to start on November 1. Well, how long can that seat be vacant before it compromises everything that you're trying to do? And it's well down the order of importance. But, of course, they are trying to bring in four, five, six established players from rival clubs. And a lot of those players have already committed to that football club in the trade sense as well. 
and a heavy percentage of their reason why is because of who the coach is going to be. So what do those players and player managers now do, knowing the fact that there's a reasonable or a chance that Alistair Clarkson won't be coaching them next year? Well, there's still, we still need another 16. The other 16 clubs would need a similar review too, right? Well, would I be right in assuming that? Or is, would there be a recommendation that every club is turned Has an audit, down? a yeah. review. So I yeah. think there's a really clear place for this, whatever this commission of four people is is empanel them for the next 18 months to work through each Indigenous player who would like to come forward and tell their story, regardless of club and regardless of time frame. But historically, to do that, you need some sort of amnesty in place to get the full level of information. So that's not a football idea. That's from from high... So there's clearly a cause for that. So that's the next Chief Executive of the AFL. And it makes it really interesting. So I would say Brendan Gale has led the best Indigenous program at club level that the competition has seen in what's been built at Punt Road and what's been integrated into their football club. So separate to the commerce and the legal, and all, maybe this is what the game needs. Yeah. And there's this one moment of opportunity to install a new chief executive. Maybe this is the priority in the, in the skill set that's required. And I don't, I don't think that's for Gill on the way out. I think that's for the new chief executive on the way in. Yeah, we'll wait and see. Never seen a more serious set of allegations, mm. Xavier. When you strip no. it back, you just didn't want to believe it to be true. Your instinct was this cannot be true, this cannot be true. But the allegations are so specific in their nature, Jared, and the conversations recalled or recounted with such accuracy that on with you, it's going to be hard to disprove and discredit all of them. It's, um, it's going to be a monumental um, story to follow over the course of the next couple of months. And there has to be a public-facing side of it for the whole community to understand, yep. I think, what's happened. So can, if you were Sonia Hood, who, now, who famously said mm. she didn't need a plan B, is she in need of a plan B now? I think so now. The, 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 the attraction for Alistair Clarkson was that he was all things. He was coach, but it, you're almost going two people short because he makes up for it in other areas. He was going to be list manager essentially. Well, he's going to have a significant say on that. And his experience in the game was, well, perhaps we can pay him that and skimp on other areas of the coaching department because we have Alistair Clarkson. So now it's a completely different scenario. If you are going with... An untried coach, um, no, just for example, an Adam Uze, then you're going to need experience around him. Or are you going to go to someone who's been there before? So absolutely, you would need you would need three or four names ready to go, knowing that there is the possibility that Alistair Clarkson may never coach well, you again. And to, Kane, to, you can't find that out in the middle of January. But Kane, when you say you get those four or five names, who, who, who are those four or five names? They're just not out there. I know you can go with the untried coaches, like yes. you said. You can take a punt on a first-timer, but... The, pl- the, the coaches out there with experience that have been around the system for a long time, just they're not falling out of trees, mm. you know. Um, it's it's, it's going to be a strange uh, period, you know, as, and Sam, we've got the trade period coming up. Sam's right there. Players want to know, I, I, if I'm going to commit to my football future, I, I need to know what my who, who my coach is. Yeah. And, and they won't. Yeah, well, even like Cam Zerhar and players like that, who that have recommitted. Jason Norn Francis is, you know, seems more comfortable now under Alistair Clarkson than what yep. he was perhaps six months ago. They're going, well, hang on, this isn't what I signed up for. Yep, Todd Goldstein, Cam yeah. Zerhar, this goes on. Yep. How compromising is it to the building of a new football system, a new regime, to not have the mastermind of it there for a period of time? 
Sando, and it is going to be a lengthy period of time. No, this is big. It's big, Jerry, because you, as you said about November one, you start you start learning your game plan for the next season on that day. You start you start training with the the, the drill design and the presentations. Um, everything that the club is building for for the 2023 season starts on that day. Uh, so if that's delayed by a week, that's that's significant. Um, you, you need to get a head start if you're a side outside of the eight you do get a three to four week head start on the rest of the competition and you need every minute of that um, in your preparation for what your new game plan or a new system looks like. So as I said, everything around drill design, everything around game plan um, is embedded on day one. So it's significant. It is seriously significant. Chris Scott said that they sat down in October and stripped everything back. He said, treat me like I'm a new coach. We're going to wind this way back. And, And look, that's in October. And that's a team that played in a prelim. This is a team that has been one of the worst teams we've ever seen. You want your coach there on day one addressing the players exactly that. This is my expectations. This is how we're going to play. This is what the preseason is going to look like. Lay it all out for the players. To not have that until who knows when, mid-January, uh, I can't remember a team being this in this much of a mess. No. I really can't. And without achieving it, like there are so many uh, pillars of the club they that have vacant. They replaced the recruiters yet, have they? Oh, I haven't heard of release of a statement. No, they're, they're, going, they're going through the trade and free agency period before <laughs> they get to that. It's incredible. Yeah. So that glow that was there a couple of weeks ago is um, is compromised. That the Essendon side of things? Yeah, well, Adam Uze's had two interviews, Jared. I think I think we can um, accept the fact that, and I love James Heard a couple of days ago saying, you know, that courage is having a go at things and people will have a crack at me, but I'm not going to die wondering. So respect the fact he went through the process. Doesn't look like he's going to be appointed. I think Adam Uze was always the favourite. There's some links between the two clubs in terms of staff that have crossed over, staff at Essendon who remain in contact with a lot of the players and the staff at Melbourne who speak so highly of Adam Uze and what he's done for that club in and around the ball, their contest work, their midfield. So I would have thought even before the process started, he was the favourite, and it appears as though that's been franked in the interviews. Do you think there'll be a couple of figures beyond the season? So this is Brad Scott, who had to finish his work at the AFL. The other one I keep thinking Mm. about is we talked about John Longmire on the boundary. So Dean Cox runs the box. I feel Mm. like if I'm running a process, I want Dean Cox in my process. What? What's he doing upstairs that is so consistently successful while the head coach is running things downstairs? And Don Pike as well. Yeah. So I think Don's ruled himself out. He has. So I think that's an easier answer. I just think I would want to hear from Dean Cox just to make sure that he's not the Svenjali. Yeah. Just in case he is. Well, the other one for me is Nigel Lappin. I'd be, I'd be, I think he's reluctant to do it and I don't think he's put his hand up publicly, but. Everything you hear about Nigel Lappin from the players to the staff is how impressive he has been at, at Geelong. Craig McRae coaches from the bench as well all of the time. Jared, who's upstairs calling well, the shots Justin for Justin Yes. Yeah. He won't like us mentioning him, but he has to be a contender and a candidate. Well, he future. should be. And this is where if... So you posed the question, Sando. If there were trauma positions to be taken, yep. suddenly coaches weren't continuing on, is Justin Lepich is a trauma coach. Leon Cameron is a trauma coach. Yep. Brad Scott is a trauma coach. Yep. Nathan Buckley is a trauma coach. Now, they mightn't have it in their minds to coach next year, but circumstances, if they were to change, it might be the good people of the industry are required to step forward. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I, and maybe when I said before, uh, before when, when Kane said you, you, you get the, the three or four names, well, you've just, you've just mentioned a couple of really uh, perfect people, I think, um, who could step into those roles and be, and be ideal. So... Perhaps I jumped the gun a bit there, Kane, when I said those 
those people aren't around. But yeah, um, yeah, trauma coaches. That's an interesting way. They're, to they're put not it. intending to coach next year. Yeah, but maybe circumstances mm. are that there is a mm. there is an industry need here, and maybe I don't know. Can, can you do a job for a greater calling? Maybe you can. Yeah. Well, I, and I know this firsthand. As soon as you step foot into a program and there's 45 players sitting in a meeting room and you, you feel the energy coming out of these young men that want a success, don't worry. You'll, you'll quickly get your uh, you get appetite bug. back yeah. for coaching. Yeah. Don't worry about that. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I can speak probably be for Bucks a little bit. I, I can imagine Bucks getting back in and putting the whistle back over his neck and, you know, rubbing his hands together. Okay, boys. <laughs> Let's have a crack at this, eh? Hey? Yeah. yeah. And I then, hadn't intended this, yeah. but these yeah. are, here's our circumstances. Yeah. No, you're right. It's it's it's, it's a nice way to set it up. Uh, and I, I I agree with you. The words of James heard, I had total Loved respect it. for those. Yeah, I did. I liked them as well. Yeah. Uh, when he when he did say people may laugh, um, but I'm having a go, and you, no one's ever going to be critical of someone having a go. You could argue whether it was the right thing for the selection panel to accept the the interview process with him, and whether he was prepared for that, but. I did, I did like his defiance. Courage in life is actually having a go at things. Yeah. That, was, that was the quote for me. Yep, yep, and he articulated the why. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. He, he, he laid it all out there the other yep. day, Jerry, that he had unfinished business and this was, this was his goal. The grand, you need your AFL grand final records. Is I have a shelf at home that's got all of mine <laughs> lined up in them, the one at the end of the day that's got all the markings in them. I love them. This is a brilliant addition. Yep. Sammy, you've written a piece. So a geography of the MCG, yeah. and if you close your eyes, the moments that took place there and there and there. It's a great way of approaching Back it. at the G for the first time in three years, a decade of great football memories, and we, we dotted them all around the ground because you do forget this ground has produced, uh, it's saved often its best for last in pretty season. So grab the AFL records, the grand final edition to complete your experience this afternoon, either here at the ground or at home. It's in newsagents and supermarkets. So we're going to, so Trade Radio starts on Monday. Yes, so it does. We've set you the task, the five topics that are going to most obsess Trade Radio. You're going to step them through, and then we're each going to have a rev up for, for a party involved in this grand final. And that will be the last half hour of Crunch Time. The award-winning Crunch Time. We are gearing up for the 2022 Grand Final. Today's game, thanks to Dometic. Go on your next adventure, Dometic.com. It is a beautiful afternoon oh. in Melbourne. It's defied all the forecasting, and it's only supposed to get better, I think, from here. So we're going to finish in a full blaze of sunshine, I believe. Sam Edmund, you've taken on the task. The top five obsessions of Trade Radio. Get started Monday, Jared, and thanks for the homework assignment. I'm treating it with the respect it deserves. We start with topic number one, the garage sale. Now, <laughs> duck season gets more controversial by the year, but dumping season is going in the opposite direction in the AFL, who have ticked off on those more salary dump deals. It isn't a great term, it's a crass term, but it is a shift that will inject more activity into this trade period. So the Will Brody deal will be repeated a few times in this window, where there was widespread bewilderment and even criticism of the Suns this time 12 months ago. But I think we're a lot more educated now when it comes to the AFL's back-scratching trade, if you like. So the Suns will be very active 
reactive here again. We spoke, you know, last week about how they're overhauling their structure. A preemptive strike, if you like, on their salary cap to free up more money for that emerging core of players, the Rowles and Anderson and, and Kings of the world, but also to save some room for a big fish in the future. So the names likely to be involved in this, Jack Bowes, Braden Fiorini, Jeremy Sharp, Alex Sexton. They're not on their own. The Giants are going to farewell Tim Taranto, Hopper, Bruin, Hill, but they don't have the picks to sweeten those deals like Gold Coast do, and almost all those players, bar Hopper, are out of contract anyway. So they, in many ways, are the cautionary tale where the Suns don't want to get to. Colin would have the Adam Trelaw sequel in the form of Brody Grundy. Hawthorne would love the last year of Tom Mitchell's contract off the books. St Kilda's open to freeing up room with Bradley Hill's departure. And the other thing is the AFL are about to crack right down on the injury allowance. Now, everyone thinks the AFL salary cap is a hard cap, but it actually hasn't been. Clubs have been able to game the system here a bit without getting into the nitty-gritty and sending people cross-eyed um, when they know players are going to miss some footy. So that's, that loophole is going to be shut out as well. So it all points to the clubs needing to be proactive, and you're going to see some selling of picks to sweeten the deals this year as well. Selling of picks. Like it. Uh, Brody Grundy. So uh, how yep. is that going to play out? Melbourne have cl- clearly put their interest on the table. So is this two? This is two. So the garage sale, the salary dumping is one. Now, uh, this is two. You're going to need a bigger boat. So the big fish still in the water, which Brody Grundy, well, he's Moby Dick at the moment, isn't he? So this will happen to Melbourne. Very confident this will happen. It would take metaphors there for what it's worth. Something extraordinary. <laughs> something extraordinary for it not to, because all the pieces are just about in place. I mean, there won't be an announcement or a nomination from Grundy. He doesn't have to do that. But the trade will happen, and there will be a sizable contribution from Collingwood. Five years to run at a million dollars a season he's owed. So if Adam Trelaw was 10 out of 10 on the anger scale with his departure... This one isn't that far behind, is my really? understanding. Uh, Brody Grundy has never been scared to speak his mind, and I just wonder if, when it's all said and done, he might express that dissatisfaction over how it's all played out. Because at the end of the day, he wanted to stay at Collingwood. So this is a club-inspired move, and I think he has every right to make sure everybody in footy totally understands that. Yeah, and I think that picture. Well, I hope it will anyway. He'll he'll paint a picture for us when he does get to Melbourne out the other side. Jordan Dugowie stays on a five-year deal. I would think now there's some serious fine print to work through here in terms of the clauses that Colin would want to protect themselves with. Behavioural clauses, they are. Jack Gunston wrestling with leaving Hawthorne for uh, Brisbane, who touched base a long time ago, needing you know needing to replace Dan McStay, of course. Out of contract, free agent. Some players at Hawthorne think he'll depart. There's life after football things to take into account here with moving to Brisbane. Would be a great pickup for the Lions. Cost them nothing in a trade sense, which is important for them, and we'll get to that a little bit later on. And then there's Tom Mitchell, of course. Wants to get to Collingwood, but he's down the queue there, given everything the Pies have got going on, which we'll also get to in a bit. Wow, fascinating, really. I think Melbourne, Melbourne are going to be the biggest winner out of this because whilst you lose Luke Jackson, you upgrade your Ruckman to a prime Ruckman now whilst also shoring up the future by getting two top 10 or one top 10 in the first round yep. pick for Luke Jackson. So you get two picks to shore the future up. You get a better Ruckman than Jackson at least for the next two to three years. You pair him up with Max Gorn. I don't think this is the disaster that's been made out for Melbourne if they can pull this off and you get Collingwood to pay a significant portion yeah, of his he, wage. He he's a star Rutland coming at a discount, isn't he, Sando? So you don't look a gift horse in the mouth, do you? And there's a succession plan. Max Gorn's got a few years on. Well, that, was, that, would, that would be my next question, is why do you need a Ruckman? Like, it feels like they need that power forward, but um, or who, who is going to ruck? But it would... You can't really do 50-50. Well, it'd be the same setup as what they've done with Jackson and, and Gorn. It'd be more, you would think more Gorn forward and Grundy more ruck. 
Um, but it gives them a bit of flex- flexibility. Yeah. Gorn's good behind the ball as well. So, yeah. But he, you're right, it doesn't solve their forward issues. But perhaps they use those two picks they'll get from Fremantle. Yeah, you're right. And yep. try and on-trade them or try and pick a forward. Are you sure they're not going to be the NFL team who spends the year with two quarterbacks and they spend the whole year asking, <laughs> May- who's the starting quarterback? May- maybe, but that's been the case for them this year and last year, and it hasn't been a disaster. No, but them. Jackson's not one of the three best ruckmen in the competition. Yeah, like but he's, he's not- cutting his teeth. What- and- yeah, but he still takes up the position. He's still a commanding of the position in do, that do forward you, line or, yeah. the, or in the rush. Do, <laughs> yeah. I feel like Melbourne lost their way when they started to play Gorn as a forward yeah. and started Jackson in the ruck. And you go, oh my God, the best ruckman in the game yeah. who is never going to tear a game. He, he kicked five goals in a quarter in a preliminary mm. final playing ruck, mm. not playing forward. Yeah. And, and there's no Brody, evidence that that will ever happen again. It's the same with Brody Grundy. He, they've, he's been trialled forward, and he's a great ruckman. That's the thing. He's a, He almost changed the game with the ruck yeah. position. There's so many things strategically you can do, though. We're going to look at Blixarves and Stanley. Yeah. Well, why can't yeah. Gorn and Grundy do the same thing? Because like, neither of them is Blixarves with the weird well, and wacky things he can do. They're, they're Gorn hardcore can, well, ruckmen. Gorn can be Stanley, though, and Grundy can be Blixarves. Like, yeah. in terms of he's, he's at least at his best been a low 20s ruckman, low yeah. 20 possession ruckman who throws his weight around and can win enough of the footy. I get your point, and there's no no exact science behind it. Clearly, they've got a plan that they think they can pull off. I'd rather have those two than, than none. Yeah, yeah. And, and Grundy does see himself. and Extra midfielder. As a midfielder, yeah. yeah. He actually, even though he's a great ruckman, he actually sees himself as a, a classic ruck rover. Got to get himself fit, for that's yeah. a big That's a big if as well. Got to get himself super fit. The big fish still in the water. Three... The Dunkley Dilemma, that'll be an, uh, an obsession of trade radio, no doubt. A big contract on the table, six years at the Lions on good money, and he'll most likely depart having winning winning the Bulldogs' best and fairest next Wednesday. How he gets there remains the great mystery. Will Ashcroft is the nominal number one after that weekend that he just uh, showed us. Uh, absolutely command serious capital to match a pick by the Lions if North Melbourne bid at number one, which they which they probably will. Jasper Fletcher also considered a first-round pick. Son of Adrian, they want to get in as well, who will uh, likely attract the bid. So McStay should get them a second round of compensation-wise. That would leave the Lions with 15, 33, 34, 44 and 69. Dunkley surely will be 15 and something else. They're asking for two first-rounders, Jerry, but I think they would accept that pick 15 maybe even a future second going forward. So if players become involved, like Jackson Payne, for example, given Darcy Gardner most likely stays at the Gabba, then that will change everything. But end of the day, the Lions need more picks in too, don't they? So this will be the one that will be a great fascination. Luke Jackson as well, big topic of conversation until a deal is struck there. Surely Fremantle, they have 13 and 85. They'll get some picks back for Logue and Lobb and Tucker and Akers. But surely 13 is involved in that one at an absolute minimum. But these are the two deals that are going to go the distance, yep. I think. Plus, plus. Yep. Any names were not... Oh, you move on. I'll let you move on to number no, four. Uh, well, there will be, yeah. There'll be, there'll be names that we that, uh, that potentially you know, have some decisions to make at the moment, we're told. That there's some player managers out there who have players on their books who are still weighing things up. That's not to say that they won't um, pull the trigger when it comes. Uh, topic number four, Jared: the termites in the sawmill. The busiest out there. So we're talking North Melbourne, Collingwood, Fremantle, Richmond, GWS. North Melbourne, we've spoken about already with Alistair Clarkson coming in. I want to add some experience there. So the Griffin Logue, Darcy Tucker, they've committed already, subject to trade agreements. Hunter Clark will join them at this stage. Bradley Hill's a player of 
interest. They discussed Blake Akers before he settled on on Carlton. Collingwood all mightily busy for a side who just lost a prelim. Mm. McStay coming in. Frampton, Hill, Fiorini, perhaps Tom Mitchell. They're seeing off Grundy, perhaps losing Ollie Henry, who would join Geelong if the deal is right. But the Cats have got other balls in the air there as well, including Tanner Bruin and others. The Fremantle Exodus as well with Luke Jackson coming in makes them an interesting watch. Logue, Tucker, Akers, Lobb. They've got an interest in Jeremy Sharp, Josh Corbett at the Suns. The Lobb one has the potential to get ugly as well after they announced they had no intention of trading him. So watch that space as well. Uh, Richmond, Tim Taranto, Jacob Hopper, they're big deals, potentially with players involved as well, and that has got a bit to play out. All right, so that that is going to fuel the biggest trade period we've ever seen. And Um, then in regards to what Kane's saying quickly, Jared, the watch list. Yep. You know, the, the players on the periphery, they've got decisions to make and those who might join them. So this is the Jack Grahams of the world, the Cozzy Picketts, the Mitch Georgiades, the Ollie Henrys, Will Setterfield, Paddy Dow, Crozier, Shacky, Connor McKenna we can't forget about, and Toby Bedford who still hasn't decided what he wants to do at Melbourne either. He's got a contract offer from the Demons, but a glut of clubs lining up who need pressure, goal-kicking small forwards. So watch this space on all those players and more. Right. We haven't seen a, an, an, an event like this before, have we? No, never. La- last year we, we were pretty bored. No cash last year. <laughs> we did well. No you cash. get through two weeks with not much. <laughs> we got a lot. We got something to talk we're about this blessed. year, Kane. We're blessed. And Sando's going to be joining 7 us. 7 o'clock well. on Can't Monday. Wait. We'll kick that off. Yeah. Wow. So the five obsessions of trade radio the garage sale and the evolving salary dumping. Yep. You're going to need a bigger boat, yes. the big fish in the water. It's Jaws rather than Moby Dick. The Dunkley <laughs> Dilemma, the termites in the sawmill, the busiest clubs in the watch list. Indeed. That's excellent. I knew Moby Dick wasn't in Jaws, by the way. I just thought <laughs> no, I'd know, ex- extrapolate my uh, understanding of that. All right, my... so the two, uh, Sam and Sandra, you're going to be together? Yep. We are. We're, uh, one till three. One till three during the week. Weekday, yep. And you've got the brekkie shift. Yes, yeah, seven till nine with Matthew Lloyd. Brilliant. So yep. that's Trade Radio as we set you up for what's to coming from Monday. Goodness me. We're gearing up for today. All the action for Dometic. Make your next adventure effortless with the Dometic Go Collection. Just pack, stack and go. Next, we've each got a rev up for this grand final. The award-winning crunch time. Who needs a rev up? For Harley Heaven, the Harley Davidson Pan America is coming to Harley Heaven in Melbourne, Dandenong and Ringwood. Visit harleyheaven.com.au for details. The rev up for Harley Heaven, the home of Harley Davidson in just a moment's time. Sam, you started the program with, uh, we knew that Max Holmes was going to be out. You said it would be Mark O'Connor in the 22 and Parfit was the likely sub. Is yeah. that now confirmed? It is now confirmed via Chris Scott on Channel 7, Jared. So the Irishman, Mark O'Connor, comes in. Max Holmes, devastatingly for him, misses out with that hamstring. And Brandon Parfit is the sub. So it's a next man up approach for Geelong. Yeah, I like that, Sando. That was from the moment that it happened on the Friday night. O'Connor's in good form. He's a multi-role player. So Menegola was more suited to the actual role. Parfit's a better out-and-out player, but O'Connor just gives you so many possibilities. Yeah, I think so too, Jared. And Parfit, and you never know, unfortunately, when you're going to need your sub, even if you are going to need a sub. But um, you're right about Geelong's depth. They've got players that can play a variety of roles, and Duncan's really flexible, like Kane said before. O'Connor can play a variety of roles. And if you need Parfit um, in the second quarter, the third quarter, the last quarter, he can come in and have a serious impact on this game as well. He's a really um, uh, talented young midfielder. So they do lose a pivotal part of their system, but 
they've got levers to pull when it comes to what they what they go to. All right, you lead us off with our with our rev up. Who would you like to rev up in this grand final? Well, I don't think he needs any revving up, Jared. But I just feel like the grand final stage was built for Tom Papley. Yes. I just think he is going to annoy Geelong's defence today. And uh, and if I'm Chris Scott, you gotta you gotta lock him away early. You can't let him have an impact in this first ten minutes of this grand final because I I can just picture him, Kane kicking a goal early and the, the MCG just yes. erupting with, with Sydney Swans hmm. fans. So the rev up for me, Tom Papley. It's terrific last week, wasn't he? Yeah. And oh. he's the, the heart and soul he's the of the side. He's the igniter. And he'll get in the face of the opposition yep. like he did last week. So I do like the intimidation factor that he brings as well for a little man. All right, Kane, where would you well, like to spend yours? We just spoke about the trade period and how busy it's going to be. Um, how would Jordan Dawson be feeling right now? So well done! You got your good contract, and you've been really. Oh, you've you're been, revving him up. You've been you've been great for Adelaide. Oh, he's back! But you're he's not going to be on a grand final for the next five years. Oh, you're you back. are at Sydney. You're a pivotal <laughs> player in this side. Third in the best and fairest last year. Opted to leave the Sydney Swans. He'll be sitting at home or somewhere overseas watching oh. this game, and to a lesser extent. Look at the smiles from the Sydney yeah, supporters yeah, who made that yeah. day. And George Hewitt to a lesser extent as well, although I'm not sure he would have got a game in Sydney's midfield with how how much speed they've gone through there. And, and Tim Kelly's the one from Geelong. We spoke about players don't leave yeah. Geelong. Oh. I know it was a, a couple of years ago now, but he's never going to play in a premiership ever um, with the team that he's gone to. So you know, you got, if you're going to move, think long and hard. The baby face never suited him. He's Sam, back. I'm just glad that he's getting his energy back. <laughs> Put his villains back. Hey, my rev up isn't a who, it's a what. So who wants extra time today? I'm revving. Let's get value for money. Oh I'm revving up <laughs> the chances of extra. It's going to happen one day, Jared. Yes. After the season we've just had. Well, it would be fitting if it happened this year. Of course it would be. Script flipping, unprecedented drama this year. How fitting would it be that we play a couple of minutes each way today? Extra time. I'm all about value for money. As a caller, yes. As a, in my heart, no. Oh. <laughs> You'll be out the window. <laughs> Settle it in regulation. All right, my rev up is for the voice of God. Oh, no. We do not know who that person in the ark is, no. but he held so much power oh. in his hands. Don't be intervening. Don't be overstretching. Don't be interpreting the technology and putting your own glorious, unknowable wisdom upon it. Just call it straight up and down. To our goal umpires, Godspeed yeah. is just be decisive, unflinching, goal, yeah. whatever it is. Don't waver, don't waver, and give the voice of God a reason to step in and shape things. For everyone so to wait. The year for the year we've had, Sam. I live in fear of in the last ninety uh, seconds of the game. Surely not. Score review, and we go to the arc. Was probably the most nervous person in Australia right now is the person who's in charge of the art, more, more so than the players. And the CEO of the AFL, who would be a disaster for him and the competition if we have a contentious one late in this and game. the Tom Lynch precedent, if you're unsure, you celebrate like Tom Papley oh, today as yeah. a player. Yeah, you celebrate hard. And then we'll spend the rest of next week getting everyone's vision from the crowd as to what it actually yeah. looked like. <laughs> yes, because Keep your phones handy, we might all, need them today. For all the cameras we have, it's entirely likely someone in double J... Uh, Seat 42 will have a better shot than what we... Anyway, so let's keep it out of the hands of yes, the arc, yeah, shall let, we? Let's do that. And, and similarly with a, a contentious running through the protected zone or a contentious stand rule late in the game that costs you 50 and a goal. This is real glass half empty. If stuff. in doubt, just let the players play.
bet bury it deep today. Would be the if message doubt, to the umpires. Leave it out. Yes. <laughs> Turn your daily commute into a daily thrill-seeking adventure at Harley, Heaven, Melbourne, Ringwoods and Dandenong. We are going to bring crunch time to its fruition in a few moments' time and we'll get your final thoughts before we all head inside. But let's, Sam, take a little dabble. Enjoying Crunch Time Banter? Check out Dabble Banter channels and copy Crunch Time Bets. Go on, have a dabble. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Thank you very much, Jared. And for the final time, we head to our great mate, Joshy Jeans. Josh, it was agonising last week. Let's revisit it. How did we go? Yeah, so close, Sammy. The semis pies, same game multi, missed by one leg, and we just needed a Luke Parker to get one more disposal, oh. but unfortunately didn't happen for us. Devastating. Uh, okay, we didn't salute, but I'm sure some uh, there were some big wins on the app. Take us through those. Absolutely. So Brownlow night was good for Razzle Dazzle. Absolutely love the name there. $86 Brownlow multi. That's absolutely huge. Uh, another dabbler by the name of Jimmy89. He hit a $41 same game multi on the Swan 5 match. So plenty of winners on the app. Sun is shining at the MCG here. Josh, what have you got lined up for us on grand final day? Yeah, we're hoping for a close one. Uh, it was nothing worse than when the uh, grand final doesn't live up to the season. But we're going Sydney with the handicap, 18.5 point head start there. Franklin to kick over two. Hawkins to deliver and kick over two. Parker, 25 plus, as well as Lloyd. Uh, Selwood's going to get over 20. So is Duncan. And Tommy Papley, he's coming to form late in the season. He's going to score any time. Well, we really appreciate your help right throughout the year, Josh. Been a magnificent, uh, magnificent campaign. We've enjoyed it immensely. Appreciate your time again today. Really appreciate it as well, Sammy. And go on, have a dabble, dabble socially and gamble responsibly. Enjoying Crunch Time banter. Check out Dabble Banter channels and copy Crunch Time bets. Go on, have a dabble. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. So maybe a, a couple of minutes just with a closing word before we head inside. What, what's your sense of it, Yeah, Well, reputations are built and made on the, the biggest stages and the biggest games. So... Um, you just have to lay it all out there and you have to settle early. As a player, all you want is that first touch, that first tackle. You want to feel like you're involved in the game. And once you do get that, you do feel like, okay, well, it is another game of football. But, I mean, the toughest, hardest, strongest teams wins finals. And I feel like that will be Geelong today because they have the evidence and I guess the experience behind them to do that. And they have such a strong system that has been the best at defending and then scoring off the turnover today. So they're going to challenge Sydney, but it is a captivating matchup, and I'm looking forward to Sando seeing how bold Sydney are to try and challenge that Geelong defence. Yeah, great point, Kane. You can just picture now the players down in the dressing rooms will be like cage lions. Mm. They'd be pacing up and down. They would be um, uh, casting their minds forward to potentially what could be one of their biggest moments of their lives and their football careers. But my message, a bit like the Harley rev up, don't lose your dare today. Like, I just hope both clubs give us uh, what the great grand final that we deserve. This has been an incredible season. Mm. This has been one of the greatest seasons that I can remember. So embrace errors. Move on today. Don't let uh, mistakes consume you. Let's take this game on. Let's have one of the great grand finals. Mm. I, I, I think the Cats by four to five goals, Jared. I think if they're just so balanced. They've got everything set up perfectly for them. Um, I think if, if, even if a few things go wrong... They've got levers to pull. So the Cats, for me today, by four or five goals. And I think Tom Stewart for the Norm Oh, yeah. I'm with you there. The man they desperately try to free up at every opportunity, Jared. Uh, I like Tommy Stewart. I think that's the only way the Swans can win, is if they bring that pressure for four quarters today, if they can frustrate Geelong into mistakes, 
and they do something with Tom Stewart. That's the only way Swans get the win today. Been working on my look of purpose since yes. Thursday, Sando. So the look of purpose <laughs> as can, we get I towards can, the grand I can final. picture Chris Scott down in the rooms yes. there, Kane. He would be have this this glare of uh, confidence yeah. uh, and purpose. Um, and the players would be feeding off the energy of their senior coach. All right, so that's crunch time for the season. Kane, thank you. Thank you, Jared. Amazing as always. Sando, it's been great to have you as part of our setup right throughout the season. Nah, thank you, Jared, and have a great call today. I, I, I can't wait to watch yeah. this grand final. And Sam, brilliant. Good Enjoyed man. it immensely, Jared. Well done, this All right, year. we'll take you inside the MCG next to all of you in Yarra Park. Enjoy. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.